This classic Encounters podcast is brought to you by Encounters North. To learn more about our podcast videos and projects and to support our work, please visit EncountersNorth.org. Hi, I'm Richard Nelson for Encounters, a program of observations, experiences, and reflections on the world around us. I am way up on the Arctic coast of Alaska, very remote country, at about 70 degrees north latitude, far north of the Arctic Circle. I am completely surrounded by one of the most extraordinary, otherworldly, and hauntingly beautiful environments on Earth, the polar sea ice, actually in a very large bay, where unlike the open ocean, the ice stays still, and it's very flat here. Now, the interesting thing about this is you'd never guess anything alive would be remotely close to the spot where I'm standing with miles and miles of flat ice all around. But I'm speaking softly because in fact there's a seal up on the ice surrounded by this massive world of white, a dark thing. And when you watch it closely, you can see that the seal is lying out straight. And every once in a while, it lifts its head and looks around. It's a little bit nervous about me. It knows that I'm here. Oh, head up right now. I'm keeping very still. And now the head down again. I can see it every once in a while moving around. Its hind flippers show. This glaring white makes it look like a little silhouette. You'd never guess it was alive, except for when it moves. And it's springtime. Brilliant, clear sky. The sun circling all the way around, down near the horizon around midnight, and then rising slowly into midday. The classic land of the midnight sun. That's pretty chilly. Temperature probably in the 20s. And with this wind boosting it, feels a little brisk out here. Now, this seal is an inhabitant of the great gleaming frozen continent of sea ice that sprawls out over the far distant horizon. I'm looking north right now, and it goes like this all the way to the North Pole, although the ice will get rougher and rougher. In these protected bays and inlets along the Arctic coast, the ice can be very smooth, and the only roughness in it the undulations of snowdrift blown hard by the wind. Some places, if I can risk making a little noise, almost as hard as pavement. Now, at a temperature like this in the 20s, can you imagine that a seal has come out from the water underneath here to bask in the sun? Well, I've had a fascination with the Arctic sea ice and with the seals that live here since back in the 1960s when I lived in the village of Wainwright. That's another Inupak Eskimo community here on the Arctic coast of Alaska. When I lived there, I was an apprentice to Inupak elders and hunters, recording their ways of subsistence and survival. I was a young student in anthropology in my 20s 
I traveled way out offshore with my own dog team hunting for ringed and bearded seals. This is a ringed seal that we have out in front of us. Now looking at our seal, its head is down again, and I'm inching ever so carefully toward it. I have a white cloth kind of a parka over my heavier parka that should offer me a little bit of concealment here in the white world of the ice. This is a traditional way of dressing when you're going to go out hunting for seals on top of the ice. But today I'm hunting only with my eyes and seeing if we can't get a little bit closer to this animal. Well, as I mentioned, it's spring here, although for most people it would feel like midwinter. In fact, from early May until the end of July, no darkness, the sun endlessly circling the sky. But even in the middle of summer, the temperature is always chilly. At the closest village, which is called Kaktovik here on the Arctic coast, the temperature drops below freezing on about half of the days in the middle of the summer. Right now, in the month of May, the great polar ice pack still covering the entire Arctic Ocean. And of course, that's a legacy from the very long and bitterly cold winter that's just ending. For two and a half months, from mid-November to late January, the sun never rises. It's not constantly dark. There's twilight around the middle of each day for a few hours. The temperatures in the middle of the winter seldom rise above zero. They can reach minus 50 or even colder, and they're often given extra power by bitter gales and blinding blizzards. And during those storms in the winter, the Arctic ice pack grinds, fractures, piles into huge ridges, except again in these protective embayments along the coast where the ice doesn't move. Well, it's hard to imagine that anything could live in such an extreme climate as this, but some animals do thrive here and they stay here all year round. Some creatures have even perfected ways of living on and under these expanses of ice. And the most perfected of them all is the one we're looking at right now, the ringed seal. This little seal is the most abundant and successful of all mammals in the Arctic. Oh, head up now, looking at me, moving back and forth. Just going to take my time. These seals can live under solid ice. In fact, it's their preferred habitat. Hunting underneath this great thick roof of ice that can be seven, eight, ten feet thick. But this time of year, our seal has opened up its breathing hole to something that's big enough for the seal to slip out on top of the ice. That hole is called an alu by Inupiaq Eskimo people. And our seal, the ring seal, is called Nechik. In fact, some parts of the Arctic probably couldn't be inhabited at all without ring seals. They're the key food, especially in the wintertime. Our seal now, head down, and each time it puts its head down. I'm moving a few steps closer, trying to be as quiet as I can, but this snow is a little bit crispy and crunchy. Ring seals live all the way around the circumpolar north in the Bering Sea, along the Arctic coast of Alaska where we are now, all across Canada and all the way around the northern coast of Russia and around Greenland. 
And amazingly enough, ring seals are sometimes found all the way up to the North Pole. Now there's another seal called the bearded seal, or Ugruk in the Inupak language, that's also widespread around the Arctic, but it lives mainly where the ice is broken. So most of the bearded seals migrate southward in the winter. Some of them, though, stay up here in the far north under the ice, just like the ring seal all winter long, breathing in their alus, their breathing holes. Bearded seal's a big animal, six to eight feet long, up to 800 pounds. Bearded seals live on small fish and invertebrates, mostly down near the bottom of the ocean, where they hunt for the abundant crabs and clams. They've got very long, thick whiskers that are highly sensitive, and they use those whiskers to feel around on the bottom for their prey. Now, our ring seal is a much smaller animal than a bearded seal. They average about four or five feet long, 100 to 150 pounds dark gray back, densely spotted with little white rings that have dark centers. That's where the name ring seal comes from. Oops, I just made a bit too much noise. It's looking straight at me, now looking toward its hole, actually looking into the hole, and now laying its head down on the ice, relaxing. But one of the things that these seals will do is they'll put their head down like that and you think their eyes are closed but they're looking at you. Summer for the ring seal, time for easy living. Lots of open water. They can travel anywhere and feed wherever they go. They'll come up onto the drifting broken ice flows to rest and sleep in the warm air and sun exactly like our seal is doing right now. Head back down on the ice again. These are warm-blooded animals. They've got to put on a very thick layer of blubber for insulation in the Arctic waters during the wintertime. And of course, seals also have to breathe air. But for about eight months of the year, the ocean is covered with ice just as it is here right now. It's like a solid roof that blocks the seals from the air they need to stay alive. Now, when the ice is thin and mushy in the fall, when it first starts to form, the little ring seal can just punch its head up through the ice and make a little round opening with little chips of ice around it. I've seen it many times. But then as the ice gets thicker, the seal has to start keeping that hole open by scratching with the strong claws on its front flippers. And over time, that hole becomes a vertical tunnel through the ice. At the very top, it narrows to an opening big enough for the seal's head. Usually, the snow will drift over that hole, that alu as it's called, and it conceals it. But sometimes those holes are on bare ice, and you'll see a little frozen mound, like a little tiny glazed igloo, maybe a foot across, and there's a hole in the top about the size of a quarter. If you look down inside that, you'll see a little hollow space, and if the hole is being used regularly, it'll be black water in there. If it's not, there'll be pale gray ice. Now, our seal it squirmed caterpillar fashion very close to its hole. Actually, it just now put its head down in the hole. Now it's back up again. 
Ring seals, as I mentioned, they can live way out there in the deep waters of the Arctic Ocean, but they're most abundant in places like this, along the coast in shallow water. They actually prefer to live under solid, flat expanses of unbroken ice like this right here. Now our seal, looking at me, it slipped right over the hole and oops, down it goes. It just wasn't going to let me get any nearer. Now there are ways you can get a lot closer to seals. If you use rough ice for concealment in the Canadian Arctic, some of the people use a little white sail that they hold up in front of them to give themselves better concealment. I'm out here with absolutely no cover at all, and I certainly didn't expect to get as close to this seal as we did already. Now each ring seal keeps a bunch of these breathing holes open all winter. Studies show that they have underwater territories. And I'm sure that our seal that has slipped away from us now has a number of breathing holes around here in its territory. But as I've mentioned, this doesn't mean that ring seals have to stay in the water all winter long. Nope, there's another amazing way that ring seals have adapted to the Arctic ice. We talked about in the middle of the winter, these seals enlarge their breathing holes and then dig out cave-like dens underneath the snow. Now there's snow everywhere around me here. And undoubtedly, there will be dens under some of these drifts. An Alaskan biologist named Brendan Kelly and his colleagues found that each ring seal has between one and eight separate dens under the snow. And the temperature in those dens insulated by the snow is much higher than the temperature of the air above, which of course can fall to 20, 30, 40 below zero with howling winds. Down there, warmed by the ocean water and by the seal's body heat, it can stay snug inside that little dark snow cave. Nevertheless, these researchers have found that ring seals spend most of their time in the water hunting for food. Their diet? mainly small schooling fish like cod and herring and capelin. Ring seals will also eat squid and shrimp. Well, I'm just gonna mosey up toward where our seal disappeared here and see what that looks like. Well, like almost everything else in ringed seal life, romance presumably happens under the ice during the spring mating season. Biologists suspect that the male perhaps waits for the female at her breathing hole, and he might also come up into her den. After mating, the fertilized egg of the female ring seal is dormant inside her body for two to three months, and then it starts growing. So they have a pretty long pregnancy altogether, about 11 months. And this is very good timing because it means the single pup is born inside that den under the snow the following April. That little newborn seal will have a thick coat of very warm, very fluffy snow white fur. This is essential because the newborn seals have very little fat, so they need that fur and they need the snug den absolutely to protect them from the cold and the gales and the blizzards. And of course, the den also hides that little pup from their main predators, polar bears. Now I'll mention that I've seen polar bears tracks several times today. So there could be one in this vicinity, but it would be mighty hard for a polar bear to sneak up on me out here in this great windy expanse of flat ice. 
Well, the polar bears roam across the ice. They use their amazing sense of smell to search around. And eventually, if they find a den, they follow it upwind, sneak up to it, and raise up on their hind legs and suddenly smash down on the roof, hoping to break through it and catch either the adult seal or the pup or both of them inside. Well, if no predator finds her young one, the mother seal inside the den will nurse her little one for a couple of months. The pup puts on the fat that it's going to need in order to live in the cold water. Now, incidentally, the bearded seals that I mentioned, those very large seals, also called ugaruks, don't make snow dens like this. They raise their pups in the open on top of the ice. Now, we're coming up to our seal hole here. As we've seen, of course, ring seals prefer these big flat areas where they can see any danger that approaches. In any case, coming up on the ice like this can be pretty darn risky because polar bears are great seal hunters. Their white color matches the ice and snow. The bear flattens itself down and stalks like a cat. It might even use its forearms like sled runners and slide forward, pushing very subtly with its hind legs, keeping its head down, even, in Yupak elders say, covering its black nose with a paw. It creeps closer while the seal is asleep. It stops whenever the seal is looking until finally the polar bear gets close enough to make a quick dash and kill that seal with one mighty swat of its enormous paws. Inupiaq Eskimo hunters stalk sleeping seals much the same way as the polar bear, using often a white parka like I have on right now to match the ice, watch the seal, see how long it sleeps, how long it's awake, how carefully it looks around, stalk very quietly, crawl on hands and knees, crawl on belly, try to get closer and closer while the seal dozes, stop when it raises its head, in the old days, Eskimo people could get within harpoon range, jump up, run quickly, and harpoon the animal. Today it's easier because of only needing to get within range for a rifle shot. Okay, now here's our seal hole. The water that the seal has sloshed up around the hole has frozen. I swipe the ice with the finger of my glove and it comes up covered with silvery seal hair. And there's a little spot here that has a darkish color to it, almost a blood-red color. Makes me wonder if this seal might have recently given birth. And all around, I can see where the seal has laid in lots of positions. Can see where it's scratched the ice with its flippers, which sleeping seals love to do. In fact, one of the ways that Inupiaq people use to stalk seals on the ice, it's incredibly clever, take off their white parka cover like I have on right now, just look as dark as possible, and angle on their belly toward the seal, always keeping a little bit sidelong so the human body looks a lot like a seal, get closer and closer. And one of the things you do when you're doing that is scratch the ice with a knife or with a seal scratcher, a wooden handle made with seal claws. It's called an gown. And that seal will mistake the person for another one of its own kind as it lays here on the ice. So here we are, what a magical thing. This hole is almost perfectly round about 18 inches in diameter, and I can look down and see the clear, beautiful ice down there. How cool! A seal hole right here! Well, finally the summer comes. 
The ice that we see around us here is going to break into millions of drifting pans and flows, and the ring seals are going to be released from their long confinement underneath the ice. They'll come up to sleep on the ice flows, but they also spend a lot of time hunting for prey in the open water. Seals that were tagged by those researchers here in Arctic Alaska took good advantage of that freedom to wander in the summertime. Some of them, they only traveled maybe 50 miles from the place where they spent the winter and spring, but others made epic journeys up to a thousand miles. How interesting to think that our little seal right here, soon to be released from the confinement it's had all winter underneath this ice, may go off on some kind of a great journey, like a celebration of the summer, and might very possibly be right back here again next winter. Well, the ring seal is one of the most important of all animals for people who live around the Arctic world. Many thousands of ring seals are taken every year in Alaska, in Arctic Canada, in Greenland, in Russia. They're very important for meat and hides and for the rich seal oil. The harvest of these seals are smaller than they used to be in the past, but people still love to eat ring seal, and above all, the meat of the big bearded seal, or ugarot. And then the oil that's rendered from the blubber is used sort of like you put butter on your bread. People dip their meat into it. And then also with the bearded seal, very thick, tough hide. And that's used to make waterproof soles for traditional boots, and also to cover the umiak, the beautiful boats that have long been used for hunting up here in the Arctic. But today, ringed seal populations have declined, especially in the European Arctic. In the recent past, ring seals were badly overhunted for the fur market. Today, they sometimes die in commercial fish nets, and their reproduction has sometimes been affected by toxic pollutants. Of course, there's also much concern that a major oil spill could have a disastrous impact on ring seals, bearded seals, polar bears, walrus, whales, all of the Arctic marine animals, especially around sea ice, where an oil spill would be impossible to clean up. This is a hugely consequential concern but by far the most important impact, the warming of the climate, is happening far more rapidly here in the Arctic than anywhere else. The main result? Satellite photos show that over the past 30 years, the Arctic sea ice has decreased to the point where there's far less now than there was when they first started photographing the ice from space, about 40% less. And as Inupiaq elders can attest, the ice is also much thinner now, and it also freezes later in fall, and it melts earlier in the spring. And so the whole world of polar ice is rapidly diminishing. Scientists overwhelmingly agree all around the world that carbon emissions from human activities are the main cause of the warming climate that's causing the decline of Arctic ice. And the consensus among scientists worldwide is that the warming is going to continue and that the rate of change is going to be faster. Now studies by biologists like Brendan Kelly and his colleagues show that melting ice and snow are serious trouble for our little ring seals. During the frigid winter and the early spring, 
course, they come up to rest in those little cave-like dens under the snow. And in the early spring, they also give birth and raise their pups in those same snow caves. Research on the Arctic coast near Barrow shows that warmer temperatures are now melting the snow about three weeks earlier than they did in the 1950s. The timing is crucial. Some sealed dens are now collapsing while the pups are still inside. Those little seals can die of exposure to the zero temperatures, to the blizzards, to the spring rains that saturate their white fur. Remember, they don't have much blubber yet. And also, without the den, of course, the pups are very easy prey for polar bears and foxes. In short, a baby ring seal without a den has a very poor chance of surviving. Ring seals once carried out their lives on and under the polar ice that covered an area larger than the continental United States, now rapidly shrinking, and within the next few decades, all of the ice will vanish from the Arctic Ocean during the summertime. Ring seals are still abundant today, but experts say that melting of the ice and snow puts the future of this species seriously in question, and especially because of the way it affects their ability to raise their young. Now, the bearded seal and the walrus are also seriously affected by shrinking sea ice, but for different reasons. They give birth and raise their pups on drifting flow ice in the shallow waters of the continental shelf here in the Arctic Ocean and the mother bearded seals and walrus get their main food by foraging near the bottom. Then they come up onto the ice flows to molt and to care for their pups. Now the little ones can't yet survive in the water, so they have to be on the ice. And in coming decades, the edge of the pack ice is going to recede far out to sea in summer so that it's no longer above the continental shelf. The young seals could still be on the ice, but where the ocean is literally thousands of feet deep, so the mother bearded seal and the mother walrus can't reach the bottom to feed. She faces an impossible dilemma. She either has to starve or she has to abandon her pup. Could they give birth on shore? Well, neither bearded seals nor ring seals are known to come out on the land, so it would be a huge transformation for them. Walruses do come out on the land. It's problematic, but perhaps their future will be a little bit less uncertain than our ring seal and our bearded seal. Well, when I traveled with Inupiaq hunters, they often told me that the bearded seal makes very strange noises when it's feeding underwater that sometimes people could hear it if they put a paddle in the water and then held their ear up to the handle. The noise would come up through the wood of the paddle. Nowadays, we can hear it far better with underwater microphones. This sound reveals in a very special way that there's magic in these Arctic waters. And there's magic under this immense continent of drifting ice.
my biggest hope is that we humans will have the wisdom and the determination that we'll need if we're going to keep all of this magic alive. Well, I'm going to take a last look at the hole that our little ring seal came up through, and I'm going to leave so that I'm guessing as the sun circles around the horizon, our seal is going to come back up again. Well, for Encounters, I'm Richard Nelson. I want to express my special thanks to the Inupiaq people of Ulurunit, Tikirak, Utreavik, and Kaktorovik, Alaska, to Bruce Inglungasak of Kaktorovik, and to Craig George and Joff Carroll, with another nod of thanks to our little ring seal. And as always, a very big word of thanks to you for your good company. I'll see you next time. Encounters is a production of the Island Institute, KCAW, and the Sitka Sound Science Center in Sitka, Alaska. Written and narrated by Richard Nelson. Developed by Ken Fate. Produced and edited by Lisa Bush. Web design and research by Liz McKenzie. Encounters is funded by the North Pacific Research Board, the Educational Foundation of America, Robert Osborne, and Gerald Lorraine. For more information about the subjects covered by Encounters and to podcast the program, go to EncountersNorth.org and join us on Facebook. Thank you.